Mason in the middle. And what a finish that is. Mason mounts. That is extraordinary from Fikayo Tomori. This is Callum Hunter. And oh, and there it is. His first goal for Chelsea, the teenager. A moment he will remember. Yes, guys, welcome back to the Chelsea Spot podcast. Thanks for listening. And um, just before we start, guys, as well, if you could um, leave a review on iTunes, just as a point of mention here, because um, we're getting a load of good ones recently, um, so that would be great. Um, but anyway, um, we're supposed to have a really special guest on today, but there's been some technical issues, so it's just going to be me and Orlando today, as usual. So you've got the usual cast. How are you doing, Orlando, mate? I'm doing well, thanks, yeah. Yeah, good, good, good. Um, we've got another very exciting guest on, though, who you're going to be recording with tomorrow. Without giving too much away, do you want to uh, sort of tease the fans about that one? Yeah, so unfortunately I can't uh, quite disclose who I'm going to be recording with tomorrow, but it's someone I'm really excited to be to be chatting to. I've prepared lots of interesting questions. It's someone who's, who's uh, got very strong ties with uh, Chelsea Football Club, uh, part of the Chelsea family. Um, yeah, I'm sure uh, everyone will be excited to listen to that. Um, yeah, I'm really excited to record it um, and it will be out soon. Yeah, yeah so Orlando is recording that one tomorrow, just him and the guest. Um, it won't be out for a week or so, but keep your eyes on that one, guys. I mean, let's say the guest that we're meant to have today will be on at some point soon as well, either with us or with, um, with Simon. So keep your eye out of the next few weeks. Got some very exciting stuff on the pod. It's going to be really, really good content. Um, but yeah, anyway, today... Um, obviously been some breaking news recently with Chelsea the big one the, I mean the exciting one that we're both a bit gassed about is uh, Timo Werner um, kind of out of the blue last night or the night before just suddenly you know done deal <laughs> um, he's yeah. just kind of out of nowhere we've just signed Timo Werner Look, it's been looking like he's going to Liverpool all uh, all summer really he has been linked to us um, but um, you know they were the strong favourites but it looks like they never really had the money for it and then just out of nowhere the other day it looks like we've done it um what what, what are your thoughts on this this deal Orlando? it's very exciting obviously oh uh, yeah i'm i'm gassed to be honest it's amazing it, as you said it came completely out of the blue i wasn't at first i wasn't quite sure about you know how how smart a deal it is considering we've already got tammy abraham who's who's been brilliant this season and i'm a huge fan of his but you know I've thought it over, been thinking about it, and it definitely does make a lot of sense, especially for only what fifty million uh, quid. Which, is, to be honest, it's a it's a bargain in today's market for, you know, how old is he? Twenty four, really, really good. Uh, Twenty four, yeah, yeah, yeah. So really good value, um, and he just he just adds goals, and that that's what we've been looking for clearly in the transfer market ever since January when we weren't able to bring anyone in and. Frank kind of made made it clear that he was a bit annoyed about that in his press conferences, but now he's got his man. Um, obviously, as I said, I wasn't I wasn't sure about how he'd fit in, but now I've now I've thought about it. That's going to be something that we're talking about. Uh, we're going to be talking about later how we, how we think he could fit in into Frank Lampard's plans um, because it it seems clear that he Timo Werner was very uh, convinced by Frank Lampard that he he would. He would uh, fit in well to Lampard's plans because um, it's been revealed by the Athletic that he had two two uh, chats with Frank Lampard over Zoom or Skype or whatever um, from half an hour to an hour long, where uh, Lampard kind of made it clear uh, what his plans were for Timo, how he would fit into the team. You know, uh, talked about the team. Apparently, something that was a real selling point for Werner was. Uh, 
uh, the young young core of the team and how it's it's only going to improve going forward. Um, and yeah, it's just it's really impressive. Roman Abramovich is clearly back. We've already signed Ziyech. We've got Werner now. We're pushing to sign Ben Chilwell, it seems. And yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, I think it's really, really smart business from Chelsea. I saw someone um, mention the other day um, that Marina and, and Roman, those guys, have, have managed to sell Morata for what well, best part of £50 million, um, to Atletico Madrid, and that will be coming in this summer, and then sign Werner for exact, you know, effectively the same price, or as near as makes no difference anyway to, to a club like Chelsea. So I think that's literally amazing business. If you think about how much... I know it was a release clause rather than a negotiation, but if you think about the lack of you know, world-class elite strikers that are actually on the market and moving around at the moment. And the ones that are, the price of them, you know, we both rate Romelu Lukaku very highly. And obviously he moved into Milan last summer for, what was it, 80, 90 million? Uh, something um, like that, yeah. Something like that. So, I mean, and uh, as much as just to rate him, I probably would say Werner probably is a slightly better player. Lukaku as a goal scorer is absolutely amazing, so is Werner, but I think Werner technically, is a better footballer than the Lukaku. So to get him for fifty million quid, I think is you know that's that's some seriously good business from Chelsea. Um, and when you think that we we also people were forgetting that we had the money coming in from Hazard, how much was yes. it? Over a hundred million. And what's he done for Real? Pretty much nothing so far. It remains to be seen whether whether he'll kind of refine his his Chelsea form. But you know, a hundred over a hundred million. Um, we had that coming in, as you said, the Morata money and. To be honest, so far in, in buying Ziyech and Werner, we haven't actually spent any of Roman's kind of transfer kitty that he'll have even more of than usual because we haven't spent anything for the last two transfer windows, obviously, because of the ban. And then we just decided not to because there was no one, no one good enough on the market in January. Um, but um, yeah, so that's kind of an indication that there's going to be plenty more spending this window, even despite the coronavirus um, how that's affected football clubs. You know, obviously it seemed like Liverpool were going to get Werner, but they, they've deemed, deemed the 50 million too expensive because of how badly they've been hit by coronavirus, which is interesting considering they won the Champions League, you know, they're about to win the Premier League. But um, yeah, I guess it just shows how, firstly, how rich Roman Abramovich is and, and secondly, how, how big a club in stature Chelsea are. Yeah, I mean, the combined fee, like you sort of uh, touched on there, for Timo Werner and Hakim Ziyech, who make no bones about it, are two big market, you know, effectively world-class signings this summer, you know. Um, the combined fee for those two is around eight, about 85 million quid, which, like you say, is less than we got for Hazard anyway. So that that was money that was already there to burn by the looks of it. So there's there's potentially... Room Isn't that the more, same as Harry Maguire? Faces. Yeah, that's the same price as Aaron Maguire. <laughs> that we got yeah. Zayic and Werner. Um, so, um, you know, so it looks like there might be some more space for some uh, more new faces to come in. We'll, we'll touch on that a little bit later. And like you like mentioned, um, the likes of Ben Chilwell and a few other names we are linked to. Um, so we'll, we'll come on to that in a little bit. We'll stick we'll stick with Timo Werner for now because obviously it is a big, exciting deal. And we're all, all Joe's fans, are very happy about it. Um, but the interesting thing that's kind of caused a little bit of debate, really, um, has been how he's actually going to fit into the team as of next season. Because me and you, especially, are huge fans of the well, well how do we say it? the youth. So, yeah. Team um, Team Werner, we, we were slightly concerned um, in a sense that you know Tammy Abraham's spot could be under threat. But we we both sort of discussed the off air that we think um, 
lining up in a way that Leipzig actually do quite often in maybe a 4-4-2 more traditional style like that could actually benefit Chelsea a lot next season because you could play those two up front. Timo Werner is the more kind of dynamic, quick, technical guy there with Tammy playing off him as the more, you know, he's improved his hold-up play quite dramatically and he's the more big number nine. Um, so that could be a really nice partnership up top. Um, how, how do you reckon Chelsea yeah. could, could line up? Yeah, so as you said, I was a, had a few issues when I was thinking, you know, uh, Timo Werner coming in, he either plays up top or he plays off the left, kind of coming inside. Um, that's either going to take minutes from either Tammy Abraham or Callum Hudson-Odoi, or, uh, who likes to play on the left. So I was, I was a bit worried about that. But then thinking about it, how Leipzig, like you said, um, often line up is in a in that 4-4-2. Tammy Abraham is actually a very similar player to Yusuf Poulsen of, of Leipzig, who's, who's actually their captain. He's a must-start. He's a, he starts all the games when they're, when they're fit. So they're very similar yeah. players. And Paulson and Werner have had a really, really good relation, playing relationship. And I think that that, that partnership between uh, Tammy and Werner up top could be absolutely lethal. You know, you've got Ziyech coming off the right wing, creating um, Hudson-Odoi or Pulisic off the left wing, even Mason Mount either wing. You could even, even put Loftus-Cheek there. It's, it just makes loads of sense. Um, the only thing you would worry about is the the two in the middle will have a lot of defensive work to do. And I guess every Chelsea fan would really agree that um, our best two central midfielders, if you had to start two for a big game, would be N'Golo Kante and Mateo Kovacic. Um, obviously, Kovacic is extremely good with the ball, of his feet, ball at his feet, dribbling, but he isn't super sound defensively. However... Kante is at his best in a two that's been proved proved time and time again. He's at his best in a two. That's where he played for Leicester. Um, that's where he played under Conte. So I think that could work. Um, you know, you've got the likes of Billy Gilmore rotating in there as well. Um, Loftus-Cheek, Mason Mount. Um, and obviously, if we do play that 4-4-2, we're not going to play it every game. Um, we got the 4-2-3-1, the 4-3-3. And something that I really like the look of with Werner... Um, also is the 3-4-3, which we've played a lot. Um, and I think the 3-4-3 with Tammy up top and Werner coming off the left could be great because what happens if you've got, if when you've got Werner on the left in a 3-4-3, you've got, obviously got Marcus Alonso behind him at left wing back, who I think is one of the best left wing backs in the world. Um, you've got Timo Werner, he's going to push more inside into the box closer to Tammy Abraham, which leaves so much space for Marcus Alonso to just do whatever the hell he wants kind of in the attacking third. And I think that could work really well. Um, as well as that, in a 3-4-3, I think Mason Mount's best position is on that kind of right-forward right, right forward position where he played against Spurs home and away this season. Uh, yeah, he great displays in both games. I think that's probably Mason Mount's best position. So we could see that work really, really well. I would also love to see, I don't know how realistic this is, I would love, love, love to see Reese James uh, in that right centre-back position, how... Uh, says oh, yeah. Aquetta used to play under Conte. So if we can make that, I don't know who who would play right wing back, but if we can make that work, that would that would just be beautiful. Maybe we could bring Victor Moses back. Victor Moses back, yeah, could do that. I think uh, Conte might have him on wraps at Inter Milan though. So, <laughs> um, yeah. but um, I mean, do John Sterling? You don't know. Yeah, but, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a shame we don't have Olaina because he could probably do that role quite well. Um, but yeah, I mean, you mentioned there Werner potentially on the left, which is, you know, he is predominantly a striker and his main skill set, I mean, I've, from every time I've watched him and I've been watching some um, highlights of him this morning and last night as well, the main takeaway is that he's an absolutely lethal finisher. I haven't seen that many like him, mate. When when he runs through, 
Um, he's one of those guys you put your house on him scoring. He just seems to tuck it in underneath the goalie, yeah. top bin, bottom bin, off the post. He, you know, like Harry Kane, how he always finds the corner. He finds yeah, the bottom yeah. corner a lot. Um, Werner seems to do that when he's one on one. He's just such a cool head. He, he doesn't seem phased by the yeah the big presence of the keeper rushing out. Basically, um, opposite of Morata. <laughs> yeah, basically, is literally the opposite as Morata. But um, one thing I wasn't as aware of in his game, obviously, I haven't watched him extensively. Um, is actually how good of a technical player and dribbler he is. I, I know he's absolutely rapid. He, he, he can run like Usain Bolt, but um, I did. I wasn't aware that he was so good with his feet. I mean. Some of the little flicks and tricks he does, nutmegs. He, he likes to, he actually quite likes to drop a shoulder and cut in him and, and then take a curling shot, like almost sort of not, not quite the same, but almost in a sort of hazard way when he's coming off the left there. Um, or Willian. So, or Willian. Yeah, or Willian, yeah. So uh, it wasn't something that I was as aware in his game, but it's definitely a strength. So he's not only a goal scorer, but he's a creator. And that is shown actually this season in the Bundesliga because he scored 25 goals, which is hugely impressive and bear in mind there's still games to play he might even get 30 um, he's actually got 8 assists as well got one um, the other night for Leipzig too despite missing a sitter but all strikers do that but he did set up the goal in their one all draw um, and yeah he has 8 assists loads of nice free balls fancy flicks I think he's going to be a really nice dynamic option um, in Chelsea's attack next season yeah I've actually been watching loads of I can't claim to have watched um, much much of Leipzig um well, before the coronavirus, but since uh, the Bundesliga restarted, obviously it started way before all the other leagues. Uh, since it restarted, I've been watching loads of it um, because I actually really like the Bundesliga as a league. Um, I prefer it to any other European league, obviously not the Premier League, but any of the other top fives. Um, and especially like, I really like Leipzig, so I've been watching loads of them. I love their manager, Julian Nagelsmann. And the two formations that they tend to play are the ones I touched on, the 4-4-2 and the 3-4-3. And something that's really, really underrated about Werner that I've noticed when, when watching Leipzig is how often he drops deep in that 4-4-2. Kind of Yusuf Poulsen will stay up on the last man, but Werner will drop deep to get on the ball. He, he even kind of plays as a, I guess, a false, well, not even a false, as a number 10 kind of a lot of the time. Um drops deep, makes things happen, plays give-and-goes, one-twos, uh, dribbles past the man, you know. Um, he, he just, he, their whole play seems to go through him. And then he'll, like, drop out of the game for five minutes and you'll think, oh, come on, Werner, you need to, you need to keep, keep on getting on the ball, dropping deep. And then before you know it, there'll be a ball over the top and he'll be running in behind and, and slowing it in the back of the net. So he offers both that obviously massive threat in behind. That's where we've seen him score most of his goals. And um, But I understand why people would have a few issues with that because obviously the Premier League defences aren't uh, don't play such a high line as most Bundesliga teams and they're not as open at the back. Um, but I think Werner would actually be very, very good against a low block, you know, we saw him, I think he scored two against Spurs, didn't he, in the Champions League. Um, yes, he had a really good game. I'm not sure he may have only scored the one, but he had a really good game against them, both legs. Um, and I just think he'd be really good against uh, the low the low blocks that we often see in the Premier League in his, his creative aspect and, and uh, playing lots of nice one-twos. Yeah, and um, like we've mentioned, I think he could form a really, really good partnership with Tammy Abraham up there. You mentioned similar in the way he links up with Yusuf Paulson. Uh, one point on Tammy Abraham is obviously there's been um, a load of 
you know, Chelsea have been back in contact training and they played a game at Stamford Bridge yesterday and they're, they're going to play um, QPR in a friendly at Stamford Bridge in the next week or so. Um, so there's been loads of photos and stuff that Chelsea have been putting on socials and Tammy Abraham's looking good. He's uh, he looks like he's yeah, he up a bit. yeah. He's yeah. ready to uh, he, he's ready to fight for his place. Um, you know, if if Werner is coming, obviously, I'm sure he's he's aware of that. And uh, but yeah, he's looking like he's put on a bit of muscle. His new I like his new haircut as well. I think he's he's looking serious. Yeah, the, the, I think um, the um, he's got the plats. The yeah, the dreads that he has when when he had them last time in the youth team. Guess what? He scored 41 goals in a season. Yeah. 41. Yeah, so the league ain't ready. That's what people the say. When someone gets a new haircut, hair, hair so uh, yeah, no. But I think they could be a. In, on a serious note, I do genuinely think they could be a, a sort of yin yang strike partnership. If you know what I mean, they're two <laughs> very different forwards, but they both offer you know different things that are really really good qualities. Um, so I'd be excited to see them hopefully link up together on the pitch next season. Um, you know that that I think that would be really good. Um, moving on from Werner. I think we've spoken off on him there and you'll probably see more in the future on the Chelsea spot and everywhere about Werner because um, it's probably going to be announced within a week or two because of his release clause um, expiry. So we'll move on from him for now. Um, obviously, with there being incomings um, in the striker position, um, there's also questions about where else we might we might strengthen. So we're looking good in the attack. Zayic, Werner, Hudson-Odoi, Pulisic... Um, potentially more, but the other position that we're strongly linked to and what is seen as a weak spot in our squad is left-back. Um, at the moment, the odds-on favourite to sign for Chelsea is Ben Chilwell. Um, it's known that both Frank Lampard and Ashley Cole actually highly, highly rate him, um, which I completely agree with. I think he's a really good left-back, um, both both sides of the pitch, and he offers energy and he's really young. Uh, I think he gets unfair criticism because he was skinned in one game by Mares, sort of at the turn of the year. Um, but if I'm honest, most left backs in the league have been skinned by Morris at some point, so I don't really see why he should be, you know, slandered for it. Um, so I I would like to see Chilwell, but it looks like the finances involved it might be tough. We saw Leicester demand 85 million for Harry Maguire last summer, and now you could argue that Chilwell's one of their more valuable assets. Um, so they might demand the same. Um, obviously, Chelsea on their on their list also have. Nicholas Tagliafico from Ajax um, and potentially Alex Tellez, who looks like he, though he's probably moving to PSG. Um, I mean, what's your thoughts on the left back position, Orlando? Yeah, so you're saying about Ben Chilwell, I'd absolutely love us to sign to sign him, but uh, it has been widely reported that the the valuation between Chelsea and Leicester of 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 Chilwell is quite far apart. I think we're trying to get a deal for like you know around the 40, 50 million mark, and Leicester value him uh, similar to Harry Maguire so they value him around 80 million but uh, I was reading a piece by Simon Johnson obviously the Chelsea, one of the Chelsea correspondents for the Athletic um, he was saying that he thinks that a compromise could be found around the 50 million mark because Chelsea have a, a very good uh, relationship with Leicester after you know the N'Golo Kante, Danny Drinkwater um, those signings um, but he did add that Leicester have shown to be very good negotiators in the transfer market uh, over the last few years so it might be a bit tough to get the deal in which case um, I I don't think Marina and Pesacek are going to mess around really um, if, if we're not going to get in for how much we want then they're just going to move on because we can just get the next best which is Nicolas Tagliafico who I've been saying we should we should uh, target for ages, really. I, obviously, I don't think he's as good as Chilwell, um, 
but he is he is a very good player and he offers something he offers something very different to Marcus Alonso you know he's he's very uh, sturdy defensively um good decision making um good good with with both feet passing but he's not as uh, proficient in the final third um so it does look like we're going to sell Emerson to uh one of the clubs interested in him in Italy you know we've seen uh, Juventus uh, into Milan um Napoli, all interested in him. Um, to be honest, I don't really know why they are interested because I don't think he's very good. But no, actually, I can see him doing well. <laughs> I can see him doing well in the Serie A, um, very differently to the Premier League. Um, but yeah, uh, if we are to have uh, Tagliafico and Alonso as our as our left back options next year, I definitely think Alonso will stay because I think uh, Lampard really likes him and Lampard likes using the three at the back uh, system. Uh, quite often so I definitely think Alonso will stay and if we do have Tagliafico and Alonso as our left back op- options next season I'll, I'll be more than happy with that um, two players who offer very different uh, things and we can call them call on uh, the two as and when we need them and it's good competition between the two as well Yeah and um, I'd like to say as well that to be honest Chilwell would be my first choice for left back if uh, you know if I was on that transfer board which unfortunately I'm not because obviously if I was obviously Chelsea would have some serious players on their hands because my talent ID is (laughs) off the the scale Um, but um, as Orlando knows but um, yeah no I'd like um, Chilwell as well the the, the price could be a sticking sticking point but you know with the financial situation at a lot of clubs right now that does include Leicester they might be more inclined to sell and therefore more willing to take you know around the 50 million mark rather than the 80 Um, I think he'd be a really really good signing one thing I'd like to point out is that obviously a lot of time now I don't know if it's in the general world of football or if it's I think it tends to just be a lot of the uh the online fan base um, seem to solely judge fullbacks on assists just because Trent Alexander Arnold spams them. Um, yeah. I really don't agree with that. I, I you know, all of the Chelsea fan base love Reese James and you can see his crossing ability is amazing. He's got like two assists in the Premier League this season. So if you're gonna so judge it off that then Reece James Exactly, that's my point. And so that's one of that's you... one of the reasons why I'm not sold on Alex Teller is because people are rating him based off the fact that he's what scored a lot of goals and got a lot of assists in the Portuguese Portuguese league, which to be honest, I think most most players in our squad could do that, even if they're not left backs, you know. So yeah, it's not it's not um that it's not that incredible or anything. I don't think I think people are just rating him off that without really having watched him that much. I, no disrespect. Um, I know some people have watched him a lot, um, but I just, uh, to be honest, I, I don't see it. Um, I don't think he'd, he'd adapt to the Premier League well. Um, <laughs> but then again, I am saying that uh, my opinion is based on not having watched him that much. So, I yeah. Don't, yeah, I have watched Chilwell and Tagliafico both quite a lot. So I guess I'm better placed to speak on those two. Yeah, I mean, what I was going to say is that obviously, like I mentioned, Reese James there, we we know his quality just without looking at the stats. So the people who have been looking at Ben Chilwell, or it was mainly Chilwell actually, who's getting the criticism from parts of the Chelsea fan base and saying that oh, he's got two assists or whatever, or three assists in the league. Who cares? I, I've watched, I've watched him. I watched a lot of Leicester actually. I, I went, both me and you were at the game that Chelsea played Leicester away from home just before the lockdown at the start of February. So it was three or four games before we went into lockdown, I think. Um. And he was he good. Scored. He scored. He scored. Yeah. yeah. He, every time I've seen him, he's been good. Um, you don't look at his numbers as much. He, he's a very I, yeah, good. I fullback. saw something today on Twitter comparing like 
the radars of of Chilwell, Tagliafico, and I think the other one was Tellez. And uh, it was like, oh, who? They didn't show the names. They just said, who would you rather like have starting left back for Chelsea? And they just showed three late radars. I, I could tell the smaller ones were one with the less stats was Chilwell. You're comparing a player in the Premier League to a player in the Eredivisie and one in the Portuguese division. Like it's so stupid. Yeah, it's it's not a fair test at all. Chilwell plays in the toughest league against the toughest players both running at him you know the attackers like I mentioned Mahrez and the, the wingers that he comes up against the you know the right wings in the league are Salah and Mahrez and people yeah. like that and um, the other thing is how old's Chilwell 23 or 24 Tyler Fico's 27 I think and Teller's is 28 so it's it's a bit unfair and I, I just think uh Chilwell, Chilwell is Premier League proven um it would just be a great addition to our squad. You know, Chilwell 23, Reese James 20. That's the fullback sorted for at least the next uh, seven, eight years. Yeah, exactly. And actually, I believe, could be wrong here, I actually do think Chilwell's got a Premier League winner's medal. I think he made five appearances in the Leicester's title winning season as like oh, an 18-year-old. Yeah, I think he did, yeah. So I remember seeing him playing that season. I've, I've, you know, he, he definitely did play. I believe he has a medal. So that adds another... Uh, the winning mentality to Chelsea. Not saying that he was a stalwart in that Leicester side, but um, <laughs> but yeah, um, but yeah. I mean, like we've just said, that both of us rate Chilwell. Feel free to, um, I say, leave a review on iTunes, and you can put your thoughts on that, or, or ping us a tweet at the Chelsea spot. Um, you know, your thoughts on the left back position, because I know a lot of the Chelsea fan base don't seem to rate Chilwell that highly. Um, but me and Orlando are, are big fans, so hopefully we can see um, Marina and the likes push a deal through and get him on the pitch next season. Um, and I think. We'll move on to a few more guys who we, we think or would like to sign for the club. Uh, but I think even if the summer ended as Chilwell, Werner, Zayech, that's an amazing, that's such a good transfer window. You know, I saw um, the other day, someone tweeted out um, quite a funny picture where they'd edited those three guys' faces onto um, Costa, Fabregas <laughs> and Felipe Luis. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> um, so good. It's got vibes, vibes with that transfer window. I mean, I know in hindsight, the Luis one was actually not that great because Azpilicueta ended up being an amazing left-back so we didn't actually need Felipe Luis. But theoretically, on, on paper, that should have been a great signing. That window was so good. Um, so I think if it was just those three, it would be amazing. But um, yeah, we are still linked to a few more names. Um, I'll just say, like, um, if I had to rate that window out of 10, I would probably say 8 because even before we signed uh, Ziyech and Werner, I would have said that the two priority positions are left-back and uh, and goalkeeper. So, yeah. actually, I would have said winger as well because obviously Pedro and William are both out of contract and it looks like they're leaving. So, mm-hmm. I would, so Ziyech, fine. But to be honest, Werner wasn't a priority signing. I'm not saying that that doesn't take anything away from the fact that it's a brilliant signing. I'm absolutely delighted with it. Um, but I really think that we need a goalkeeper because Kepa is not very good. Um, he's not very good. Um, and Caballero is about the same age as my dad. So He's, old, he's older than Petr Cech. I've said it before. Caballero yeah. is actually older than Petr Cech. He's our technical director. So, um, yeah, but he's still a good backup, though. He's still a good backup. Um, well, we'll talk about goalies then because the, I think the guy that both me and you would really like to see would be another guy from Ajax so you know we've yeah. seen Zayac might see Taglifico might see a few more guys but um, Andre Onana is the guy that we, I think we're both would uh, you know we, we're both looking to hope that Chelsea get in the market I mean he's a great goalie and Ajax seem to just let players go for cheap I mean the reported fees are about 30 million quid yeah, so I, was, I think he'd I was, be a great signing I was speaking to an Ajax fan actually um, 
on Twitter asking him why do they let their kind of their best players go for uh, so little money, and it, it's interesting. He told me it's part of uh, Van der Sar's. Uh, he's obviously he's kind of taken over there as I don't know technical director or something, and it's part of their their new transfer strategy under him, which is to bring in more older uh, proven winners. Like we've seen, they brought in Daily Blind, um, Ryan Babel, um, Huntelaar. Yeah, Klaasian Huntelaar. Uh, guys like that, obviously Dusan Tadic as well was a brilliant signing, so that's not necessarily a negative, but that's their strategy. And, you know, they let Frankie de Jong, obviously they had to let Frankie de Jong and Matthias de Ligt go because they were just way too good for Ajax, but they let them go for prices that they could have got a lot more with. And uh, the guy was telling me that it's, it's part of the thing, they had like a gentleman's agreement. So they're like, all right, you know, you're too good for us now. I'm gonna, We're going to let you go for kind of like uh, t- 80% of your value so that there's no, you know, bad ne- like negotiations that delay anything or no no sc- scandals or troubles. So they've kind of just let their players go for cheaper and it's part of their, their transfer strategy to bring in more proven winners, which I don't really think makes that much sense because they got to the semi-finals of the Champions League um, with the, with the uh, youth players, the academy players. Um, and they they don't really have any trouble winning the Eredivisie, um, no matter what what the team really they can they can bring in anyone and they'll probably win it because they have so much financial firepower. But I was just thinking like if they sold their players for their actual value and they drove a hard deal for all their good players, they would be one of the like the probably the one of the if not the club with the highest turnover in the world because they they could make so much money from it so it's a bit um confusing but you know hopefully we can profit from that ZX Tagliafico and Anana please yeah I think part of the Ajax thing um before we chat more about Anana himself is that I think obviously we know how good their academy is and they have confidence to just promote a new youth guy if they sell one of their already produced talents but I think part of their sort of vision is that they sort of see it as success that a player that they've developed is now playing for Barcelona or is now playing for you know a team in the Premier League and is doing well there you know so I, th- I think they almost see it as you know Frankie de Jong now goes and wins the Champions League with Barcelona in his left 10 years they'd see that as yeah that's our that's our player who's gone and done that yeah so while obviously they'd prefer he was doing it with them I think they know that realistically and financially and because of the league they're in it's not as viable, but I think they almost see it as success that their guys go out across Europe and become some of the best players in the world. And therefore, I think they are willing to let them go for I think it's, a reasonable fee. It's interesting, though, because you see PSG are a bit in a bit of a one-club league. And they, they win, win the league, un, well, apart from the odd exception of Monaco a few years ago, but they win the league untitled without pretty much any problems every year. Um, and so you wonder why Ajax aren't like that as well. And I guess, like you said, it's down to that kind of philosophy of, of wanting their, their like stars of the academy to go on and, um, and do bigger and better things. But it's interesting why they don't just kind of take, take the same strategy as PSG and then they can become actual like challenges in Europe. Yeah, you, you say that, but Ajax actually reached semi-finals and PSG haven't done that yet yeah so, true, um, true I think PSG are just more evil and uh, more oh yeah I'm not, I'm not I'm not um, put, trying to paint PSG in a positive light or anything like that no, no. I very much dislike them 
Yeah, well, yeah, like I say, I mean, Ajax are very good, but let, let's actually talk about Onana because we're not on a tangent. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> um, like we said, we, neither of us do particularly trust Kepa in goal. I, I think he's been the key, actually, with our defence looking a bit shaky this season because I don't think the centre-backs should have too much confidence in the man behind them. Um, so Onana's someone who, for me, every time I've seen players, distribution is amazing, which everybody looks for straight away in the keeper in the modern day. But his ability to shot stop, his command of the area is is next to none. So other yeah. than maybe Yano Block and those lot, I think he's probably just in the class below them. I think he'd be an amazing signing. For me, the thing that really stands out to him is something that Kepa just does never, which is he comes out and claims claims crosses, comes out and catches crosses all the time. I don't think I've ever seen Kepa catch a cross. Like it's so so frustrating. That's one of the reasons why we concede so many goals from from crosses. Um, headers and volleys and whatnot, because um, Kepa just does not command his area at all. I think one thing I would say about Onana that we might have to be a bit wary about is he is very, very eccentric and he likes to do a lot of fake shots against attackers and that would leave him up, uh, prone to kind of making mistakes. But, you know, he's young and I think all keepers tend to uh, tend to do that. Uh, so I think he's 24 as well. All keepers tend to do that at some point. We saw... I can't remember who the keeper was, but it was uh, Shane Long scored after five seconds after, um, you know, blocking a, a, sh- a clearance from the keeper a few a few months ago. So it does happen to all keepers. Um, you know, we saw uh, Hugo Lloris in the World Cup final, obviously famous Loris Karius. So even if he is a bit eccentric, I don't think it's the end of the world. Um, it's definitely definitely something that can uh, be be worked on. So yeah, I'd love to see it on Anna here. Yeah, and like you say there, he's only 23 or 24, which is young anyway, but especially for a goalkeeper. I mean, those guys yeah. don't really peak until their 30s, so we'd, we'd be only adding to that you know that young core that Frank Lampard clearly wants to develop, dotting a few sort of more experienced players and more sort of um, players who are already in their prime, like the likes of Hakim Zayech around that side and Kante. Um, but then having that sort of young core that's coming through, so he'd only um, you know help with that philosophy. The other um, thing I would say is, uh, like... Now we've got Petr Cech as our, uh, whatever his title is, advisor, performance and technical advisor or whatever. Basically, one of the technical directors uh, works in, in, in tandem with Marina. If any goalkeeper we bring in is going to be good because Petr Cech, his talent ID for goalkeepers is, is sure to be uh, really high. Um, you know, he knows what he's talking about. So I don't really have any worries about bringing in another Kepa because obviously Czech wasn't around when we when we signed him. I still can't believe seventy-two million pounds. That's just ridiculous. Yeah, but Marina all managed to get eighty million for him somehow, I'm sure. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, I um I <laughs> I completely trust um for the first time in a while actually Chelsea's sort of transfer strategy. Lampard, Czech and Marina's nego- obviously her talent ID necessarily she doesn't necessarily do that part she does more of the you know the finances and the deals in that sense but the talent idea around her with our scouting system and people like Lampard and Czech in that back room um, and even McAuley's on I know he's the loan um, so yeah. he looks after the guys on loan but we've got a load of players who in around the club just know that stuff and Ashley Cole I mentioned with Chilwell so I've got confidence in Chelsea and Lampard to sign whoever they want right I'm not going to comment because they know way more than me uh, and I have a lot of confidence in them. So, um, But there is one guy who I'd really like them to sign. It's a position that is not a priority, but we did mention earlier the likes of William and Pedro pretty much are guaranteed to be leaving um, when the season does finish, whenever that is. And that's side Ben Rama from Redford, who 
has been linked with a move to us. Obviously, he's in the championship. They only would have reportedly won about 15 million quid. Um, I think he could be the perfect backup winger. You, you know, I know we've got a bit of an abundance in attack. Zayech, Pulisic, Hudson, Adoy, wingers, plus the likes of Mount Barkley can play there. Werner might play Werner. there. Yeah, exactly. So, but, you know, we were linked to Jeremy Boger early in the window. That's not going to happen now. It's pretty much confirmed that they're going to get rid of that bar clause and put in a selling fee um, instead which we mentioned in a previous podcast so but for a similar price Ben Rama he's like the championship Maras so I think he could be um, a really good option to bring in as a as a backup slash one for the future um, yeah I absolutely I absolutely love Saeed Ben Rama I've, I've watched Brentford a lot this season because I think they're a really fun team they've got a lot of uh, other fun young players you know they've got uh, uh, Ollie Watkins uh, Brian Mbeumo really really fun team to watch um and Ben Rama's basically the pick of the bunch. He's just an amazing player. Very, like you said, quite similar to Mares. Obviously, it's a bit of a lazy comparison just because they're both Algerian wingers. But they, I do see the similarity in their style of play. I think Ben Rama, one of his uh, his strengths is is how two-footed he is. That's something that really stood out to me when I watched him. Really, really uh, can shoot from any angle, which is a very undervalued um, quality to have. Um, but I just, I'd love to see him come, but out of my respect for him, I don't actually think Chelsea would be the best move for him because he wouldn't start and that would end up stalling his development. And, you know, so I would actually rather us sign, like, maybe some someone, uh, someone, uh, well, actually, I'd rather us just extend William or Pedro for a year, but that's not going to happen. But uh, to be honest, I think we're all right without a winger now because I think Mount will get more minutes there. Loftus-Cheek, Barkley can play there. Obviously, Timo Werner, you mentioned the other guys we have, Pulisic, Hudson-Odoi and Ziyech. Um, so I don't really think we need a winger. And uh, just out of my love for Ben Rama, really, I'd, I'd like him to go to someone maybe like Everton, I think, would be a really, really good fit for him. Um, somewhere where he would start a lot more games than he would at Chelsea. Having said that, I'd still love us to buy him. I think it would be a brilliant signing. Yeah, it's a good point. Obviously, he wouldn't um, get that many minutes. You, you wouldn't think so. For his sake, yeah, maybe it's better off that he, he wouldn't take the move to Chelsea, although at the same time, it might be hard to turn down unless there's some other Premier League um, Premier League offers for him, which I'm sure there will be. Um, now, we've obviously talked about the main positions for Chelsea that they're linked to and some of the more hot deals. Um, and we'll move on to um, guys who might be leaving soon. But if just Orlando quickly... So, if I put it to you theoretically that Chelsea can only make one more signing, let's pretend we've already signed Werner, which let's, we have. Let's not let's not doubt that. So we've got Zayac and Werner in. We can only make one more signing this whole window. Don't don't worry about the money. We can only make one more signing. Who are you going with? This is a good question. I mean, I'm tempted to say Jan or Black, although I know that's a bit unfair. Obviously, we can't do that. No, for me, it's between it's between Chilwell and Onana. Both positions are priority. Uh, I'm just thinking, I think left-back is a huge liability, but as Piliqueta can play there quite well, I, I do have faith in Alonso in a four against against smaller teams. Um, so, yeah, I would say um, having a competent keeper rather than a competent left-back is going to save us lots more points. Have a competent keeper is probably going to save us, you know, five to eight points over the course of the season. Left back is is maybe maybe quite a bit less. So yeah, I would say Andre Onana would be would be my ideal signing if we had one left. 
But I do think we're going to have more than one left because Roman's on a splurge. Yeah, I think Roman wants to announce himself back. I, I do agree that actually the one that would be most um, sensible if we could only make one more would be the goalkeeper position, whether that's Onana or someone else. Um, but I just like Chilwell and he'll add, he'll, add, he'll add some more handsome good looks to the team. <laughs> so uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna say Ben Chilwell. Have Ben Chilwell on the left. Lost his cheek just ahead of him. That's a serious, serious flank. That so uh, <laughs> you know. No, I, I, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna go for. I'm gonna say Chilwell if we can only make one more signing. So uh, so yeah. Um, moving on, like I mentioned before, then talk about some of the guys who might look like they're leaving just to wrap up the pod. Um, obviously, loads of deals coming inwards, which is all exciting, but it does mean that we have to make space, uh, which will mean the departure of some of the guys. We mentioned Emerson earlier. He's linked to a few of the teams in Italy, um, Inter Milan, um, Napoli and Juventus. Um, so we don't, won't go too into depth on Emerson because we, we've mentioned the left-back position a lot. Um, Batshuayi, there's quite a lot of rumours today. He might... Um, well, Chelsea buying him at 40 million, <laughs> uh, which is another Marina masterclass I think if she manages to pull that off but um, he's quite heavily linked to West Ham and also a return to Crystal Palace where he's obviously on loan um, a year or so ago where he did quite well for them as well so it looks like he may leave uh, doesn't look like he has a future at Chelsea Orlando does it? Yeah especially since Sheru signed that um, one one year extension I'm just thinking now that it would make I, I was thinking to myself when we signed Werner you know Sheru is not going to have signed a contract extension if he was going to be third-choice striker. So it does make a lot more sense uh, that we seem to be going in the direction of playing two up top in, in that 4-4-2 that we were talking about earlier because then, obviously, Giroud would get a lot more minutes. He'd kind of be... But then, in that case, we might want to keep Batshuayi around. But in my opinion, I'd rather just have either Armando Broja as that fourth-choice striker. Um, but if Broja does end up going on loan, then I'd quite like for us to bring back Ike Ugbo, who's been on loan for the past few years, and he's done really well this season at Roda. And I think he'd be a great option for a fourth-choice striker. But then again, that's just my, my love for all the, the academy players. Um, so, yeah, it may, may be worth to keep uh, Batshuayi around, but I don't know how satisfied he'd be with that. Um, yeah, it looks like his time at Chelsea is probably coming to an end. Um, I don't think we'll get 40 million like they've quoted there, but if we can get 20 to 30 million, which actually would be a loss, we paid about 32, 33 million for him, um, then that would be a decent bit of business. Um, I do like him, so I hope he does well at West Ham or Palace or wherever he, wherever he ends up going. Um, maybe Leipzig. You never know. They'll have a spot. Um, he did well in the Bundesliga at Dortmund last time he was there, so you never know. Um, but yeah, it looks like he his Chelsea grip probably is uh, coming to an end. Um Another one that's been a 50-50 all summer, Orlando, has been our um, favourite player, um, Jorginho, <laughs> um, who looks like, well, still, Juventus want him, we know that. I mean, Sarri obviously wants him. Um, financially, you don't know what Chelsea would demand because they paid over 50 million quid for him. Uh, and I don't think Juventus or any team will be willing to pay that, really, at the moment, especially because of the coronavirus situation. Um so, I mean, do you think... I, I think he probably will still be a Chelsea player next season in France. I don't think he will leave, but um don't know if you have any conflicting thoughts, Orlando. It's, yeah, it's an interesting one. I think it's it's definitely true that Sarri would, will want him. But, you know, I think I agree with you. He'll probably end up staying at Chelsea, but I just think he won't play as much minutes, really, with Loftus-Cheek coming back with... Kante hopefully not being injured for half the season again with the emergence of Billy Gilmore who I've said it before and I'll say it again Billy Gilmore is just a simply better 
better at football than Jorginho. Like, I, I'm still yet to have one person on Twitter name me one footballing aspect that uh, Jorginho is better than Billy Gilmore at. So, you know, hit me up. Experience, mate. Experience. That's not, that's not a footballing aspect. I'm talking <laughs> fine experience, leadership, you know, whatever. But actually at football, what they're paid to do, I Billy Gilmore was just better. Um, so, yeah, you know, we've got Ethan Ampadu even potentially coming back from loan. Maybe he'll go out on loan again. I'd like to see him go, go and get some minutes in the Prem. Um, but if if he if he stays, then that would probably end up seeing Jorginho leave. Um, but I don't know how realistic that how realistic that is in this coronavirus market. So we're probably likely to see him stay. Have Ethan Ampadu probably go out on loan again, um, which is not the end of the world. Yeah, I reckon if um, Chelsea did rock the four four two that we were mentioning um earlier on when you know we don't know that that's gonna happen just theoretically i think Jorginho would get exposed in that system um in the two-man midfield even if he was next to someone like kante because we've said it before um and i've, I've said it before i don't actually rate Jorginho as in his ability to do certain things in a certain system but i think in chelsea system and specifically if we did switch to a system of two up top which would naturally mean we have to sacrifice someone in midfield he really wouldn't suit it because he's not a physical enough player in midfield. He's not quick enough. In fact, he's not. He's slower than Giroud. He's the slowest <laughs> player I've seen live. And Giroud isn't even that slow, actually. But yeah, Jorginho, Jorginho, much, yeah. yeah, Jorginho is too slow. I don't care about his tackling stats and stuff. I watch every single Chelsea game, and I'm sorry, he is a defensive liability. So I think in two-man midfield, he probably would ex- get exposed. So I think it probably is about time that Chelsea do sell him, and I'm sure he'd do well at somewhere like Juventus who played to his strengths. So, yeah, but I think Chelsea probably should look to cash in if the uh, if an appropriate offer comes comes our way. But I wouldn't be against keeping hold of him as a backup midfield option. Um, obviously, if there's no financial um, deal that, that works, so I'm not saying just get rid of him for 20 million quid. There's no point doing that. He's, he's a decent enough player to have as a backup. Um, but, yeah, I just don't know if he's, uh, if he's suitable. Um, now, obviously, there's two other guys who we mentioned earlier look pretty much guaranteed to leave um, it's Willian um, who I know you have rated Orlando but a lot of the Chelsea fan base have kind of got a bit frustrated with at times but it looks like he's probably going to leave to a uh, another London club he's been linked to Spurs which would be pretty ironic because of the chance but obviously him and Mourinho have a good relationship Arsenal linked as well uh, Liverpool um, obviously not a London club but another Premier League club um, linked to decent enough player but yeah, his contract's going to expire and he looks to move to be moving on. And Pedro as well, who's been linked to Roma, um, as well as a return to Spain as well. I actually saw him linked on a return to Barcelona at one point. Uh, yeah. Obviously, obviously as a squad player and as a bit of a sentimental comeback and maybe he would become a squad player and then maybe come into their coaching staff or something. Um, but those guys are like leaving, don't you? If you have any thoughts to add on to those? Well, I just think it's uh, it has been kind of announced uh, by quite a few sources over the last few days that it definitely looks like Pedro is off to Roma. Um, so, yeah, that's quite a good move for him. I think we tend to see that players who are a bit washed up in the Premier League tend to, if they're a bit old or just a bit kind of uh, saturated of the Premier League, they tend to move to Italy and play really well, actually. Um, so, yeah, Ped- I could see Pedro doing quite well well there, actually. Um and I like him. He's he's been a, a good player for us over the years. Was amazing under Conte, um, 
And then William, who I do actually really like, uh, I'll get a lot of slander for saying that, but it's, I just like him. Um, but uh, yeah, I just really don't want him to. I just really don't want to see him go to Spurs or Arsenal uh, because I'll get bantered for it a lot, <laughs> and uh, I hope that doesn't happen. Yeah. I don't think anybody hopes that happens, but realistically, he's going to move on. I think, to be honest, I do actually genuinely think he does have some love for Chelsea. So I think he would yeah. um, think twice before signing for uh, for Spurs. Well, for Arsenal, especially Spurs, uh, doesn't mean it won't happen. But I think he does hold Chelsea in his heart. I know that he's been demanding a three-year deal, which is a bit unrealistic. And some people have said he wouldn't be demanding that if if he actually cared about Chelsea. Well, you have to look after yourself. And he is towards the end of the career. If other clubs can offer him three years, why wouldn't he offer that? Why, you know, why wouldn't he ask for that from Chelsea? So, um, but yeah, we'll we'll have to see with those two. Um, but unless there's any other guys you uh, you can think about departing Orlando, I think that's uh, that's what's about done for this episode. Well, yeah, I don't really uh, think there's anyone else who's likely to leave. I mean, I know there's been a little bit of talk about uh, Ross Barkley because, especially if we do end up playing that four four two system quite a lot, then. There's not so much space uh, in it for him, but I, I disagree with that really. And I think um, Frank Lampard clearly likes him a lot. He was playing really, really well before uh, the um, the Premier League uh, was put on hold. So actually, you know, first game against uh, Aston Villa, we, I wouldn't be surprised to see him starting um, uh, because uh, he he was on a really good roll beforehand. Um, so yeah, I don't I don't think there'll there'll be anyone else leaving. Um, and overall, that if we if that does happen, you know we have what uh, Chilwell or Nana Werner and Ziyech coming in, and we, we have leaving Batshuayi, Emerson, and maybe Jorginho. That is a really really good, uh, and obviously Pedro and Willian. That that is a really really good window. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That window sounds absolutely amazing. I mean, if you're for Chelsea fans at the start of the. Uh... Well, it was sort of at the start of the summer kind of thing. They they would snap your hand off for that transfer window, I think. Um, plus, Barkley's got a beard now, so there's no way he chose yeah. to <laughs> um, But yeah, guys, that's just about it then for this one. Um, I've mentioned before, I mean, if you've got any thoughts, just drop us a tweet at Joseph Spark, leave an iTunes review as well to leave any thoughts. Um, if you don't like what we've said, leave one star, that's fine. Um, <laughs> if you do leave five stars, that's, that's great. Um, but yeah, we'll... we'll you know, if you send them in, we're happy to read them out. Um, like we mentioned earlier, look forward um, to Orlando's podcast, where he's recording tomorrow. We won't reveal who's on there, but it's a nice little discussion with uh, someone who will be very exciting. And in the coming weeks, we'll have one or two more really exciting guests as well. So keep an eye on the Chelsea spot for that. Um, but yeah, thanks, Orlando, for, for today, mate. Thank you very much. Yeah, no worries. So, guys, um, follow the Chelsea spot everywhere. Follow me on Orlando. Um, tweet us you hate what we've said or if you love what we've said and we'll catch you on the next episode see you later guys